Hey, Cask Chasers, we'll start the show in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Babe. Yeah, hey. Um, I'm in the mood for a cocktail. Okay, I can probably help you out there. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm feeling summery, gardeny, okay. herby. Summery, gardeny, and er- we have, and by we I mean Impact's Beverages, mm-hmm. we have this brand of gin called Herb Garden Gin. Talk to me. Okay, they have one that's called Damask Rose with Juniper. Another one that is Pink Elderflower and Jasmine. I love that. Yeah, that's delicious. And then Lemon Verbena. Lolly Lolly. Yeah, exactly. How about a little, we could do just a perfect serve, right? A little Damask Rose, a little low sugar tonic, maybe some simple syrup. Sure. Shake it up. A little grapefruit wedge in there. Yeah. You want to do that? Yeah. Awesome. Great. Impex Beverages is a proud sponsor of who? Uh, Cask Chasers. Cask Chasers. Yay. Yay. Hey, Cask Chasers. I am back with Bobby and Aaron in this episode where we are going to focus on some back to basics. We're going to cover some terms that you guys might uncover if you're a new whiskey enthusiast or some terms that would be interesting to really dive into and really interpret if you're somebody that's a little bit more seasoned in the whiskey industry. We're also going to have some fun stories, some experiments with whiskey alternatives, just as a, you know, kind of matter of what I'm personally going through right now. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cask Chasers Podcast. How's it going? Good, good, good. All right. Just good? Just good, Bobby? I'm all right. No, I'm actually really good. It's hot. I know, because we're in the Cast Chasers podcast recording studio and uh, coming up with some great material. That's why. Outside hot. (laughs) It's 92 Fahrenheit outside. And for our Canadian listeners, I don't know what that is in Celsius. Less. I think it's less. Yeah. I think it's zero Celsius. <laughs> I have no idea which yeah. direction that goes. It's like well, to, thir- so what? Thirty thirty two is, is thirty two Fahrenheit is zero Celsius. Yes, but Roughly. then but you would, then boiling is a hundred. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, but then the math doesn't work out because you would think it was thirty two degrees Celsius. I know you there's would then a be fraction. Zero degrees. It's not how that works. It's a, a fraction involved in the calculation. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, eh, I'll just Google the. We're difference. Americans. We don't know exactly. That's right. Anyway, it's hot. It is. So welcome to what temperature is it? Chasers. Oh my gosh, what if we pre each show, we gotta get a weatherman or a woman, a weather person to come in and be like, like so Katie can be like, take it away, Scott. And he's like, Well, hi, how's it going? It's a little rainy out there. Only Cats and dogs. If they refer to the temperature and compare it back to something whiskey related. Like I want terrible whiskey puns in to proof. describe the weather. Ninety two proof yes. outside. Ninety two A B V. Did we just become millionaires in our heads from that idea? In our heads. Okay. No one would listen. I had to qualify that. Now there's weather on this thing? There's there's weather there, there's weather from like a month ago when we rec- when they recorded but this. But the podcast sure no has sense. changed since I was back on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so ex- Weather aside, I am so excited to be back with you guys because it feels like it's been an eon. I know. Since we all recorded together. I think that's exactly how long it's been. Yeah. And Matt. Also, I, have I don't no know what idea that is how long an eon is. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're on a roll with our loosely defined math terms. <laughs> so how have you been? How are you feeling? You're I'm super good. pregnant. Yeah. 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 About to be 25 weeks. Yeah. So there's a thing kicking inside of me now, which is an adjustment. Katie, before we get started in this, I just want to... We've always been transparent and honest with our listeners. That's who we are with whiskey as it, as it pertains to whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Aaron and I are drinking Buffalo Trace, just the, the typical off the shelf Buffalo Trace, which I think I paid 20 bucks, 25, which is what it's worth. Sure. Yeah. Delicious. Katie, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, so since I found out I was pregnant a few months ago, I've been embarking on a journey to find, uh, I don't want to say alcohol substitutes because that sounds a little like I was in a bad place. Um, <laughs> but, you know, trying to find some stuff that is is a nice adult drink to mix it up that doesn't have alcohol in it. So alternatives, if you will. So um, Dana, Bobby's wife, was kind enough to pick one up from the liquor store today. And it is a whiskey alternative. Um, I'll refrain from reading the name because I want to give these guys a fair shot. I've only tried it neat. I haven't tried it in cocktails, which I think is what it's supposed to be for. But I will say, um, I wouldn't try this neat again. No. No. <laughs> I've had some great mocktails. I think, I, think could, a... I think you could say the name. And here's why I say that. Not mm-hmm. to pick on them. But I'm just now reading on the neck. It said craft. It says crafted for use in cocktails. So now I just feel silly. Yeah. No. Oh, well, I just we all just read it. And like, it also says no GMO, yeah. which is really what's important. And and low carb. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So who watch my figure these days? So who makes it? So this is Ritual Zero Proof Whiskey Alternative. Yeah. It was exciting to see like a bottle and something that looks like whiskey be handed to me with the thought of, oh, maybe I can enjoy this alongside you guys instead of, you know, water, orange juice, whatever else I'm drinking. It tastes like tobacco spit. It yeah, does. So it, <laughs> what, what we were saying, why don't we, why don't we just do, let, let, let's just do a tasting of this real quick before uh, we get into stuff or at least talk about that? it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I already tasted it. Yeah. So, so I, what, this isn't what, a hazing podcast. That's right. We right. said <laughs> it, it almost tastes like somebody that, listen to somebody else saying whiskey tasting notes mm-hmm. yeah but it's like it doesn't but it doesn't taste like whiskey it's like i saw this on a, a tv show recently where the two hosts went up to a caricature artist caricature artist couldn't see the hosts mm. the host had to describe what the other person looked like to the caricature artist and then the character artist like did it blind it was like Ta-da! yeah and they came out terribly because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all you're going off of, you know, it could be the best description in the world. You do even just smelling this, right? You get some of the sweetness of the caramel. You get some smoke. Um, you you get kind of the trademarks of a lot of different stereotypical whiskeys. But then when you see the finished thing together and taste it, again, not in a cocktail yet, as apparently it's made to be enjoyed. You're just kind of like, oh, that's not what a nose looks like. Yeah. So it tastes like <laughs> it tastes like a very spicy tea. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, and I think I'm. I'm going to be honest. I feel like it would be delicious in a cocktail. I think. I think you're right. And I think that's yeah. their goal, really. I mean, I don't think nobody. Any, nobody's doing shot. If you're doing shots with non-alcoholic whiskey, well, then and there's helplines. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's a good. A good. It, it'd be a good thing to put in a whiskey cocktail to eat up the space that would be taken by whiskey without using like just like a i don't even know what else you would use like well a, a katie water? there's some I layers yeah, i, I yeah. think you get the layers out of this that's what this is trying to give you it's trying to give you 
punctuated layers of the whiskey you're used to drinking yeah. in a cocktail or mocktail. So you feel like you're not just drinking or obligated to drink what? Like bitters yeah, and ice? Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? I actually would recommend them. What are the ingredients? Bitters and ice. That's the ingredients on yeah, that. No. Look at No, I'm kidding. Uh, filtered water, cane sugar, natural mm-hmm. flavors, xanthan gum. God, I love xanthan gum. It's in everything. I wish that was a snowball flavor. You want xanthan gum? (laughs) With marshmallow. With sprinkles. (laughs) Citrate acid. Sodium benzoate. Benzoate, that one. Yep. And potassium sorbate. I love sorbate. Fruit sorbate. Um, Delicious. And preservatives. I like my two favorites are national natural flavors and preservatives. And preservatives, yeah. So you know what I would like to do? Peanut tree, nut free, gluten free. FYI. Uh, applies warm, to every diet. Non-GMO. Warm caramel. Hemp Does leaves. it say caramel or does it say caramel? It's American, so it says caramel. Um, hemp leaves. And Fahrenheit. There's more America than Texas. You know that, right? <laughs> like, there's, okay. How would you describe the color, Bobby? Tea. It looks like a, It looks like tea. It's like a little cloudy, too. It's a, yeah, That's it's a little cloudy, a little it. hazy. Like a sweet tea. Like a cold sweet tea. Mm-hmm. It's got flakes in it. Like there's stuff in it. I thought I tasted something like That's that. That's the botanicals. But you can actually see debris in yeah. there. Non-chill filtered, non-alcoholic whiskey yep. alternative. Yep, yep. It's a, it's a neat bottle, I think, for cocktails. I think that's what you want. We just did an event with Bardstown. We went to a lovely dinner. Amazing dinner, actually. And um, we were having cocktails served with our dishes. And then Katie was having non-alcoholic cocktails. And those things looked Works amazing. Of art. They were ridiculous. And they were delicious. Yeah. Well, and it, it was so fun because, like, we, we, we walked in. Um, Nicholas Lewis, our, our friend from Bardstown, shout love out that yeah. guy. He, he met us, he met us at the door, said, Hey, and he said, he said something to, to the effect of, and he, and he was looking at Katie when he said it's something to the effect of, you know, I let them know you're here and, um, that you're super pregnant and, and mm-hmm. you'll be, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we take you're care of you, whatever. Patron. <laughs> and like, so you, you were expecting like, like club soda and yeah. lime or something, right? Yeah. Cause the bars that I've been to, you know, with, with other friends and, you know, still being somewhat social at this point, that's kind of the best you can hope for. I right. mean, I've even tried to order non-alcoholic cocktails and give what I thought were pretty clear instructions on like, Hey, here's, here's a way that you can make me a non-alcoholic margarita just so I can join in the fun. And it never seems to work out. It could be partially where I live and the places I'm going to. Cause I know it, like bigger cities, this is something that's a little bit more on the rise, like having non-alcoholic options or non-alcoholic bars. Sure. Um, but yeah, they pulled out all the stops and thoughtful. brought them to me. Like, Super thoughtful. Yeah, it was it was a whole thing. I mean the the bar. There's a video on the Cast Chasers Facebook. If you page. go back to, I think the Bardstown th- posted thing, it too. It's on the it Bardstown Instagram. Oh so really? The, the, um, if you go back to, I think the event was on July 15th. If you go back to either July 15th or 16th, I don't remember when I posted it, but you'll see a lot of you'll see pictures and you'll see video on our Facebook and our Instagram and they are um there you'll see all of our cocktails Bob, the the cocktails that Bobby and I had and I tried to capture the glory of Katie's mocktails <laughs> but I mean they, like it was like everybody was jealous basically yeah. well, so it well, was cool the last thing i wanted to say on that too is just for me you know a lot of people have asked me like what do you miss mo- most about being able to drink or being able to enjoy cocktails or whatever since you've been pregnant and for me, it's always been, you know, feeling like you're missing out of a way to fully enjoy 
food and beverage, you know, mm -hmm. together in like an elevated stance. Mm -hmm. The social aspect I'm fine with, you know, that's, that's not been awkward or uncomfortable, which has been a pleasant surprise. Um, but yeah, it's the fact that you feel like going to a nice dinner, like the one that Bardstown hosted and knowing that a huge element of it is how their whiskeys, how their whiskey cocktails pair with some of the food there. I was prepared to just miss out on that completely and not get, you know, the symphony of flavors that you would expect from a nice pairing like that. So the fact that, you know, they took the time and the effort to come up with true mocktail alternatives that still enhanced everything that we were eating was so special, you know. Thought so. through. I yeah. mean, and it was a Michelin star shit. Look it up and we'll end on that. What was the name? Gravitas. Gravitas. DC. Mm -hmm. Chef Matt Baker. Yeah. Amazing. Everything that really place good. does is, really good. is amazing. So what's we talking about today? So, what's, what's, we, what's we talking? I think this is kind of a fun segue, actually, because, um, you know, I was just talking about I, the the way that certain drinks and certain beverages kind of help enhance, you know, the experience you have with food and, and the culinary side of things. Um, but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that don't even know where to start with enjoying whiskey as a baseline, let alone how to like prepare themselves to take the next steps to go with those crowds, you mm. know, and, and think, enjoy how to do that. And I think sometimes, you know, Aaron and I lead a lot of tastings and events and stuff. And I think sometimes we say things that are common to us. We yeah. may spit out like, you know, oh, the ABV here is whatever. There may be people in the audience that are like, wait, what did he? Yeah. Like, what was that? What does that mean? So I think it's neat to, to kind of understand what the conversation is and everything, too. Yeah. And and we and, and you know, in season one, at the very beginning, we did a lot of sort of where different whiskeys came from and sort of mm -hmm. the history aspect. We've done like super zoomed in episodes here and there about like this particular thing or that particular thing but i we've got a we got a whole thing we're doing now K katie can you explain yeah. what what it is that we're doing so i brought you guys a surprise i'm very excited about this um so what i have here is a bag full of whiskey terms bago terms bago terms bago whiskey terms sack of terms it's <laughs> that one for sure sacco terms <laughs> We're going to brand that. Um, yeah. So I just put together, actually, a couple of us contributed to this list, just a bunch of terms that any new whiskey enthusiast or, you know, whiskey curious individual um, might want to learn so they can familiarize themselves with the language that they're going to hear as they go on that journey. And can I say, don't think just because you may be a whiskey person, mm -hmm. somebody that knows their whiskey or thinks they do, um, that you can't learn something from this. because. There's so much information you learn. There's times I forget. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'll be, you know, somebody will say bottle, bottle and bond. And sometimes I'm like, wait a second, what's the steps to that? You just forget yeah, over well, time. And, and, and to be candid, I mean, the, I knew that we were doing this episode and this was sort of the feel of it and what we were doing. And I was like, crap, I got to, let me just go back and look at the definition of right. bourbon real quick, you know, right. because like, Brush they're up. you know, like certain, cert, they're going into the barrel at a certain proof. They're coming out and of a barrel. Sometimes you're wrong. And, and sometimes a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. In the world, you're wrong yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> I'll hear people that say they know and they'll spit a definition and in a group and I, you have to, you can't correct them. Yeah. You're, and you sit there and go. Well, then you're that guy. That's right. Not, that's right. not what that means. But yeah. So like I, I was sweating a little bit and full to, to be completely candid, I 100% expect to look up a couple of things yeah. while we're recording this. I'm going to go blind. I'm going to do it blind. Blindfold, please. I'm going to I'm gonna try. I'm going to get some stories out of this one. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> now, I agree with you guys. And, and one thing that I've observed, too, especially like through, um, you know, the increased experience I've gotten with cast chasers, even 
after you get through the quote unquote like whiskey novice level and you're, you know, talking with some people that have been avid enthusiasts for years and years, they get into these deep arguments that are based on fundamentals where if if somebody's off on the basic definition or if there's a debate about the basic definition, you're walking into that conversation completely unprepared. Yeah. Yeah, it's a war zone. Yeah. So so what we're gonna do, um, we're gonna go around the table. Bobby, I'm gonna start with you and then kick to Aaron. And I'm gonna let you guys pick from the Sacco terms, bago terms, <laughs> and then sacco terms, sacco terms, sacco terms. No, these are color coded or something, right? Yes. No, I mean the the listeners can't see the colors. So we'll read out the colors to you guys. So I got a yellow. What does that mean again? Yellow refers to a term that you're more likely to hear, like something that's a little bit more commonplace, regardless of how much you know whiskey, how much you talk about it. Yeah. Um. And what else? What else do we have though? Orange, orange is kind of the next level up. Okay. So maybe you know. You've Googled whiskey terms a few times or you've had a few whiskey conversations, so that Uh would be orange. And then the feared red uh, paper term, that's going to be something where you might not hear that term a whole lot unless you're really into the thick of the conversation. So that's the rough idea. I feel like I'll only get the red ones right. (laughs) Yellow's going to be like whiskey. I'm going to be like, everybody knows whiskey. Oh Lord. Okay. So, so mine is mine. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the bottles on the table just to see where we're at, so I can kind of speak to it. So, mine is cast strength or barrel proof or barrel strength. You may see both uh, depending on. Um, does your paper say from. both, or are we? It does. It, well, no, it says cast strength, okay. but they're the same. I mean, I just yes want, for the sake of conversation. And, and that that that's what I that's what I was going to. You may pick your bottle up, and it may say barrel proof, barrel strength, cast strength, a cask and a barrel. Anyway, similar thing. So typically, uh, it's a fifty-eight to I think sixty-six percent, roughly um, percent alcohol. And it's what it means is the whiskey was pulled from the barrel and wasn't diluted with water. Um, sometimes a uh, distiller or blender or you know s- somebody in the warehouse may pull whiskey and then dilute it with water um, to proof it down. And to, that, yeah, and that, that's to, another good term, proof. Yeah, they, proof they, they proof yeah. that, that down. Which they may want it to be. Here, yeah. So the Buffalo Trace we're drinking, for example, is forty-five percent. This was proofed down to 45% because the distiller or whatever felt like that was the right perfect, you know, percentage, perfect ABV for this, um, for this whiskey. Um, the one Katie's drinking ritual is a zero proof fun thing. If you double the proof, the ABV, that is, if you double the ABV, that's where you get the proof. So if it's 50% ABV, that's 100 proof. Uh, so let's do the math real quick on zero divided 80s. by two. Let me get out my calculator. I think. Zero proof. Divide that by two. Yeah. So sometimes cast strength whiskeys are my favorite. And then sometimes, in my opinion, it needs to be brought down a little bit just because it's too harsh or maybe the elements aren't there. Maybe you're looking for something a little lighter. Some You, you want to bring out certain notes. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to pull from the molasses-y vanillins, things like that you get in a cask. You want to dip more into the fruitier, lighter notes. You can add a little water to to, to do that. Yeah. Here's a follow-up question. So I'm, I'm wondering if there are people out there who hear cask strength cask strength that's difficult to say who hear cask strength or cask barrel chasers, strength. Cask cask strength chasers. Cask chasers. almost as difficult to say as cask <laughs> right. chasers and i'm wondering if they hear that phrase and they think like oh that's that's probably really a rough tasting whiskey because of how concentrated it is some and yeah i've heard that um but sometimes a cask strength whiskey a good one a barrel proof whiskey um is actually super i've had lower abvs that were harsh um mm-hmm. because they were just bad barrels bad whiskey or whatever it may be or just they just needed to be proofed down even more 
But then sometimes you'll drink a cast strength and it's gorgeous. It just, like just yeah. concentrated yeah. Perfect goodness. Way. Maybe a single barrel that the uh, distiller pulled and said, nothing needs to happen to this. Mm-hmm. It's perfect the way it is. Let's filter it, you know, the char and all that noise out of it. And that's it. And we got it. We and I'll, I'll take a barrel proof or cask strength and sometimes I'll add water to it. Usually when I'm t- mm-hmm. tasting a yeah. new whiskey, I'll yeah, almost sure. always add a little water just to see sort of where, 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 where I like it for my palate. That's good. That was right. a good one. Did yeah. I, so ca- cast strength. Do you think and barrel, we cover that? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Cast strength and barrel proof just means it's not it's not proofed down. It's not diluted once it comes out of the barrel, which many most whiskeys really are. Concentrated All right. flavor. All right. So my turn. My turn from turn, the Aaron. from the bag. All right. Let's see what you got. All right. So we've got, I got an, an orange, orange one. one. So this is kind of mid grade. You know. Okay. May or may not have heard this term before. All right. So my term is. Cooperage. Um, so that's, Can I get it in a sentence? Co- <laughs> that's, this that's the way orange piece it. of paper uh, has the word cooperage. Part of, part of speech, please? So, um, <laughs> cooperage. So, uh, a cooper is a person who builds a barrel, basically. Cooperage is... Um, am, I, am I right in saying that the, that the, co- the company would be a cooperage? Like the, they, ha- the warehouse, the warehouse the, is the cooperage. The, yeah. I think also, also it, cooperage like is cooperage is also the art form. Yeah. So I mean, this this one's got sort of like a lot of different depth. Just uh, like you would be a cobbler and you work on shoes, you're a cooper. Right. You work on you you work barrels and right. things like that. And I think a cooperage is either your art, like you said, or the warehouse. Yeah. yeah right. I, I, and I I I believe I might be wrong, but yeah, I believe it's like the warehouse or company you work for is the cooperage. But what you're doing is also cooperage. The the craft itself is cooperage. So building building a barrel or you know the the place where a barrel is built, the 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 company that oversees the barrel building and if you want to meet a cool cooper maybe with, hang with, you, with a cool cooper hang, hang with, with a cooper. cool cooper we did an episode <laughs> with uh shug mcmurray one of my the only cooper i know if i'm being honest but yeah the, also the coolest yeah. cooper i know uh, of all of all the one coopers i know yeah. he's, he's the best <laughs> he's good representation great episode really talked through that process it's one called, of our first in season two yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. hanging with a real cooper yeah. is yeah. what we call that one clever name clever mm-hmm. I feel silly because I definitely put this list together. I added this one to the <laughs> to the sack. Dummy. Um, and I looked at the definition because I was like, you know what? There's a pretty good chance of three people I'm going to get one of these. But I might need reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So um, the term that I pulled out is low wines versus high wines. Okay. First first of all, have you guys heard that term before? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Then you'll be my first pass at seeing how accurate or not accurate I am with this. So... From what I recall reading about, as I added this to the list, when we're talking about low wines versus high wines, we're kind of talking about is it some of the byproducts of the whiskey, like through the distillation process. Like I, I kind of recall, it struck me in the same vein as, as like, you know, the heads of whiskey versus tails, so, something along those lines. So it's the, it's, it's the first pass the first bit of spirit that's passed through through the still through the through the through the distillation process i think the definition literally is the name of the spirit after it has passed through the beer or continuous still for its first distillation so that's low wine um high wine is the first spirit produced by the secondary distillation um that's the part that's ready for aging so right. you're getting a little more alcohol out of that mm-hmm. so one of the things you hear you know Jim McEwen, which we talk a lot about on the show, talked about in one of his episodes, was running, distilling a, a spirit four times, for example, which is, or 
typically you'll hear, you know, let's say three times, you know, triple distilled. Um, they're running that liquor through three times. And what they're looking for is they're trying out, trying to take out as many impurities as they can mm-hmm. and which can make for a very nice, you know, very clean whiskey um, or spirit or distillate. But the thing is, when you add, the more times you run it through, the higher the alcohol content mm-hmm. is as well. Oh, so, so the first, so when you make yeah. whiskey, you make beer, mm-hmm. and what you're doing is you're taking that beer and you're distilling it. You're tra- you're taking that beer with its alcohol and you're you're boiling it. And this is very basic. You're really boiling it. You're cooking it to create an evaporate um, alcohol or ethanol or the alcohols like ethanol, methanol, and things like that. They um they evaporate first. They ride up the, the the neck or the column, and they when they turn back into liquid form, that's the distillate. That's the that's the liquid so we're going for. And that first run is super low in alcohol content. Okay, so when we're saying low versus high, we're talking more in terms of alcohol content based on which distillation round it's gone that's through. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. actually a really good way to look at it. The, Probably the, the simplest way to understand the, that, yeah. uh, the high wines are the the highest ABV. That you're that you're going to get, and that that's what they call it right before it goes into the barrel. Right. Luckily, well, and then you get into the heads, the hearts, and the tails. Mm-hmm. So it's high alcohol, but they're not using all of that. They're mm-hmm. going to cut it, and they, what they want is the middle portion of that, which is the which is the heart. Um, but then you barrel that final product. So that's really all it means. The good news about that is, if you're sitting at a whiskey tasting or whatever, you're not typically hearing. Which is no. to your point. That's the right. red, yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, the red cards that you're going to pull out of the bag or. <laughs> that, that only Katie will pull out. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> We're learning together. Cool. Not bad with no, no notes. Bad. We had to Google that in mid conversation just yeah. to yeah, really understand the definition of it. But And we are not distillers. So hopefully there's some distillers out there that may hear that and think, well, there's more to it. I hope they comment, maybe post in the group, and we can make this more of a conversation. And you, yeah. you can always email us too at podcast at caskchasers.org as well. All right, Bobby's getting his next Is this orange? Yeah. It's orange, yeah. Anaranjado. What do you got? Small batch. Ooh. All right, so this is... You sound so disappointed, first of all. There's no there's no legal term to small batch. Correct. And and, and it's a very you loose verbiage and can be a marketing term, and it can also have some actual value to its mm-hmm. meaning. Um for example, if you're a small distillery, like you're really small and you're really getting off, everything you do is small batch. Your largest batch is going to be a small percentage of the a, size of yeah. a big distillery's small batch. Your Buffalo Trace small batch, like something they may produce, that's going to be a larger... Thousands and thousands and thousands right, and thousands Right, there's a meme. There's actually a joke where it's like... Um, it's a picture... It's like single barrel bourbon and it's a picture of Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. And it says small batch and it's this... It's the store. Remember when he sees all of them all on the shelf for the first time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that tracks. A real one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's good. That, yeah. But that, that's a good. That's a good. So it depends on the size of the distillery. Now, now there are large distilleries out there that are being honest with the term, and they're actually creating a small batch, which means you have a hands-on distiller, you have a hands-on blender, maybe, or, cool. or somebody in the warehouse, you know, whoever's working that, and they are physically selecting premium stock from their barrels and it's not a single barrel they're blending in-house typically um they may find two or three barrels that they're like wow these are really special these are you know there's something to these let's blend them and they find something remarkable from that that's a traditional small batch that's trust in the company you're buying from um that's you know maybe you can get on the website or on the bottle that is um that's 
full disclosure. That's them being transparent and, you know, whatever. So be careful with the term small batch because, you know, I'll give you a good um, one of my one of my favorite small batches is E.H. Taylor small batch. Um, which is a yearly release, and I've never—I don't think I've, I'm thinking back to the ones I've had. I've never been let down. I actually, I don't mm-hmm. have a bottle open. Um, I like their small batch better than I do their single barrel, oh, because okay. single barrel is drastically different every year because it's physically coming from one barrel. But your small batch is typically a little more balanced through each year because they—they're blending these barrels together right. and they're looking for so a different, certain tone. different whiskeys are going in or could go into the small batch. The idea Will, is there's yeah. control or, yeah. or like more control in theory over that selection, right? To make it special. All all whiskey, unless it says single barrel, is batched, is blended, and you know. Your biggest company, so this Buffalo Trace, this isn't a single barrel. They're taking barrels upon barrels upon barrels, and they're blending them all together in the where in the facility to create what we know as Buffalo Trace. Consistency is what mm-hmm. they're looking for there. Uh, Jack Daniels, same thing. Consistency because it's the you know it's highly you know developed, right? It's a big, it's mass produced. Mm. If they put small batch, the idea in your head supposed to be that's a really small, select like a limited edition of barrels, right? Yeah. Well, I. I think larceny at one point their their main their main bourbon said small batch on the bottle. I right. think now they've switched over to just saying ninety two proof. It used to say small batch ninety two proof, right. but that's it's just it's some it's something to put on a bottle. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a very specific legal term. Mm-hmm. But I, you really can't though with something like that because you have giant distilleries and tiny distilleries, and do you make it a percentage of your barrels you know it's it it'd be a hard thing to track anyway yeah before we move on i just one other thought on that when we were talking about you know how this episode like hopefully there are going to be things and we do believe there are things that more experienced whiskey drinkers will get out of this i'm really interested to see what the response is to some of these terms that aren't very objectively defined but mm-hmm. are more marketing related yeah, yeah, yeah. or kind of abstract because you know there's so many different ways to interpret that stuff and if you're specifically loyal to a brand any brand that it might be, and you've defined your definition of something like small batch around how that brand uses right. it. I mean, well, we and, we get some hot letters. And not to in. take it away, but and it'll probably be in the bag. But terms like straight or bottle and bond, those are defined. Those mm-hmm. are you know written down. I want to say legally defined words. Mm-hmm. Small batch is not. Age statement um, is the age of the youngest whiskey. That's gone into that bottle. So, uh, for example, if you if you say um, let's use Glenmore NG ten years, um, the youngest barrel of whiskey that is going to go in that is going to be ten years old. That means you can have ten year, you can have something that's twelve years old, you can have something that's forty five years old, you can have something that's a hundred years. Yeah. So it's not it's not that everything in there is ten years old. If you have a Tea, if you're only using a teaspoon of a 10-year-old whiskey in something that's entirely 38 years old, you still have to call it 10-year-old. So that, 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 and that is a nuance, I guess, that might not immediately pop to mind for people. So there's no, there's no definition like X percent of the whiskey no, it's it, just it's whatever, it could be whatever, whatever yeah. the youngest whiskey call is that, in there. Sometimes they call that teaspooning, which is kind of a derogatory yeah. idea because you can typically, you know, put in 
say, very old stock or something like that, and you really only put a small percentage of it in there. Um, but like, let's say you get a twenty, like he's like he said, you look at a bottle and it says twenty year, you know, whatever on it. The youngest one in there, the is youngest 20 years. is twenty year. There might be older stuff within that that balances it, but it's um, twenty years now. And aging in general, because you're talking, and this is going to be on the bottle, not always. Sometimes it's non-age stated, um, which can be any age, but then on the bottle. But it's also aging, just FYI, is the barrel, how long it's been in a yeah, barrel. Yeah, not a- on okay. Aging is how long it's been in a barrel. Yeah. And there's, depending on the United States versus um, Scotland, um, Scotland can only put an age, the only age statement they can put on a bottle is that, you know, 10 year old, like if it, if it's a 10 year old, uh, scotch, they can only say 10 year old. They can't say 10 year old blended with some 35 year old blended with some 19 year old and a 50 year old barrel. Exactly. So they can't, they can't do that in Scotland. In the United States, you can legally say, Hey, you know, uh, there's, you know, there. 10% 10% of this is a 9-year-old, 30% of this is a 20-year-old, that sort of thing. You actually can't do that in Scotland. Which is legally. why you see a lot of good blends, uh, Compass Box, for example, there's no age statement because they have all kinds. It's just a good whiskey. Because you're not obligated to put an age statement. No, and that's the thing. You don't have that's to. that's better because yeah. their youngest whiskey may be, you know, if I have a 12-year-old bourbon and I balance that in a blend with maybe 2-year or 3-year-old, I don't want to say now it's a three-year-old bourbon, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. Well, and, and that that was that was a, a a situation with with Compass Box is they they wanted to be super transparent and say we are putting this this many years, this this many years, this this many years, and because it was Scotch whiskey, they weren't allowed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they if if they put an age statement, they would have had to have said uh, such and such. 10-year-old, so and they couldn't disclose the age of the others. So for the ones out there that are like, I only buy 20 or I only buy age-dated, you're really hurting yourself because there are some amazing non-age-dated whiskeys out there, and they're simply not age-dated because, A, they don't feel like it needs to be because it's mm-hmm. great, or, B, they just can't, they, right. or it doesn't make sense for them to. I had no idea when I added that one to the, the sack of terms that mm-hmm. it, there were going to be so many layers. <laughs> Thank God I didn't get another red card. What do you got? New American Oak Ooh. on orange. All okay. right. So things I have learned about oak in general, okay, since since becoming more involved in cask chasers, I know that there are drastic differences between European oak, French oak, specifically with other variations. You've got American oak. The thing that um, I think of first when I think of new American oak, though, is that's a requirement for making a bourbon. Yeah. So brand new stuff, most uh, saturated taste still left in. It's kind of where you get like the, the caramel flavors and everything. Yeah. So this so, is yeah. And to spin off that a little bit for bourbon specifically, and th- this is a subtle difference, but bourbon specifically has to be charred New American oak. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're making a like a corn whiskey, for example, thank you for that. It's specific. It specifically cannot be aged in charred New American or charred New oak. So like for a corn whiskey, it either has to be used oak or. Mm-hmm. It can be new oak, but it can't be charred. So it, yeah. So the 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 new new oak or new American oak, mostly specific to bourbon, um, because that is one of the definitions. But for bourbon, it does specifically have to be charred oak. Cool. What's um, next, Babo? You're next. My term is the finish. So dun, 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 pretty dun, dun, simple, pretty quick. Yeah. You know, you're you're at a whiskey. So this is something you will hear at a tasting. Somebody yeah. may see, they, and not just with whiskey. You'll you'll hear it at tastings for all sorts of things. Yeah, all you know, wine, uh, food, whatever. Cake. Uh, yeah. Um, the finish is 
when you drink something or when you eat something, there's two parts of what happens in the body, in the brain. First off, you taste it, and there's a lingering flavor that happens after you take a bite of something. And then your brain takes a minute to catch up with what you just tasted. So there's a feeling there, too, you have to focus on. So when you're scarfing a plate of food, for example, you may not... You know, you may say the aftertaste of that. And typically mm. when we think of food, the aftertaste is a bad thing. Right. Um, but in the world of whiskey, because it's so viscous and oily and, uh, you know, there's substance to it, fats and everything to it, a good whiskey with a lot of fat specifically may have a long finish, meaning – and that finish may even taste different than the, the nose or the palate you meet that first time you put it in your mouth. So that's why you want to – some people chew on the whiskey when they put it in their mouth. They physically swish it around or they, they ride it in different parts of Masticate their mouth. Masticate it. Masticate it. That means to chew. Um, and then they <laughs> swallow it and then they may sit for a moment and just experience that after part where the you know ethanol maybe is evaporating a little bit off your tongue and the flavors and the fats are starting to set in. And then some people, what they're looking for, you'll hear them say, wow, that was a really nice long finish. That means it's just physically sitting in your mouth for a long time and, and that, holding on with flavors. And that seems like it's one of the things people really look for in determining like a complex whiskey, you know, like how well-rounded each of the components of the tasting experience are, especially mm -hmm. the finish. Like mm -hmm. I, I haven't been to too many tastings with you guys or, or individually, but I know that's one thing that always seems to make a whiskey stand out when there is a pronounced finish. And my brain always just assumed, you know, that's because maybe that's a harder thing to attain with the, the subtlety that go with it or, you know. I think if I thought off the top of my head, something that you can get off the shelf easily, somewhat easily, that sticks out in my mind first is probably the, I'm going to butcher the name I always do, the Abelau or Abuna. It's probably... That's the best you've ever said, said it. Did I do? Yeah? Yeah. That's the best you've ever... That, Yeah. Well, I'm so proud of me. I'm proud of you. Anyway, to well me, that one is super fatty, super oily, rich, sherry rich. Um, obviously, it's a cherry bomb, as we would say. But it's one of my favorites just to find on the shelf. And when it first came out specifically, that first round was amazing. Yeah. Um, not when it first came out. When it first came out, when it, I think it was the 18 release. Because it, it came out a yeah, while yeah, ago, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, it might have been you, or even, even in season one, it might have been Scott that mentioned they liked whiskey and the idea of moving to start to drink whiskey because it kind of forces you to take your time and enjoy all the different elements of what you're drinking. So I think, you know, at least in my mind, the finish is a really good way to capture that. Oh, absolutely. Aaron, what you got? Well, I, I, have a, a I, have a, I have a red one. <laughs> Are the red ones the scariest ones? That's why they're red. Yeah. Um, and... I think I know what this it's one not means. It's Pictionary. You can no, no, tell no, us no. I think I think I know what this. I I I assume Sound I know what out. this refers to. He so, tapped on his uh, this his one, arm. Two to, this, two words. Two words. Um. So this says fake tan. I assume that's referring to artificial coloring. Is what is fake what, tan. Fake I love tan. that. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. All right. So um, in let's let's assume that that's what it is um fake tan would be adding artificial coloring which it's it's caramel coloring e150 it, it is it is specifically the um yeah. caramel coloring um it is specifically that so american whiskeys so accor according to the alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau some american whiskeys are allowed to add up to 2.5% caramel coloring it does not apply to bourbons that are labeled straight yeah, of course. So bur bourbons, <laughs> bourbons, it's right out. I mean, I, if if you can't put it in straight bourbon, they're not going to put it in 
bourbons that aren't labeled straight because they're just trying to get those to a straight bourbon anyway. Um, uh, Scotch uses it all the time. So uh, Scotch whiskey, while there are very stringent rules as to what can be called a Scotch whiskey, what can what can be called a blended malt, what can be called a blended grain, what can be called a whatever, that's one of the most loosely um, defined and regulated things is adding the caramel coloring. Um, and it's some super loose definition, like, um, only so much is allowed that it won't greatly alter the flavor or something. Does it have a flavor Uh, or scent in there We've had it before. You can't. I I hear people say it changes the flavor and they argue that it's because they put so much in big batches of it. Mm -hmm. I've tasted it before on its own. I tasted nothing. It's a little, it's more mouthfeel than it is right and and i i feel feel that bobby and i have pretty good palates um speak for yourself i I feel that i have a pretty good palate okay um we believe in you too oh it's a compliment yeah i know i know you're like speak for yourself okay i'll speak for the tone didn't match the nature of the compliment um i feel that we have pretty good palates and i cannot really discern a difference in something that has caramel coloring versus something that does not have caramel coloring. I don't know anyone that can. Right. There are, you'll see online in certain Facebook groups, not really in Cask Chasers Facebook group. If you want a Facebook group, you're not going to get yelled at in. Um, but I see in a lot of Facebook groups, like, I don't touch it because it's uh, it's got caramel coloring in it. There are, there are, dis- there are distilleries that, you know, they'll, they'll, they don't hide it. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if you reach out to a brand rep and say, do you guys use caramel coloring? They say, yeah. And it's it's a consistency thing. You I'm know? not anti it. No, and I'm not. And there I, are people that are. There, mm-hmm. there are people that will put their nose up. The, it's, it's, similar to fair. Similar to I don't drink anything below 55 yeah. ABV or whatever. There There is a stigma to it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to me, obviously there is because we've got this term fake tan. You know, right. so Which is a, you know, it's, it's not it's not, not a, a nice it's, term. It's not fair, in my opinion, to pick on these people because a it's the consumer's fault because they want consistency. Uh, bourbon, for example, really don't need it because they're new charred oak barrels, uh, and a new charred oak barrel, for instance, with bourbon gives a lot of color. You know, what I yeah, mean? you 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 don't need right. it, right? But with a scotch, you you have to use used barrels, mm-hmm. so the color is kind of been stripped for the most part. But we um, still have this expectation as consumers. The consumer does. Although, yeah. if you're a whiskey connoisseur, you're somebody that actually appreciates whiskeys. I have very light colored whiskeys that are amazing. They're just not a lot of not a lot of color, and they're they're still fantastic. But some people want to see a rich, and I and I'm that guy too. Sometimes I'll mm-hmm. pull out a, I'll get a whiskey, and I'll think even a scotch, and I'll think, man, look at that color. And the and the producers, the marketing, know that. And they want to say, okay, you're a Johnny Walker, for example. It's always got to look like Johnny Walker. You can't pour a glass of it for your friend and you and your, you know, maybe you go to the next bottle or whatever. And yours is like clear and almost and theirs mm-hmm. is a little darker. And then you're going to be like, well, something's wrong with it. You know what I mean? So, you know. I think the cool thing is too, outside of the matter of consistency, caramel as a color, it's one of those colors that evokes a whole mood, right? It does. Like, sure. There's this song that I love. Um, it's by Bosley and it's called Golden Brown. And he's like the chorus just goes through all of these things that are that perfect kind of caramel amber like like you can see the light coming through those brown hues sepia tones mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a funky jam right but man when you listen to that song 
and drink bourbon to it, it just, it, you feel it just wash nice, over nice. you. God, the human brain. I got to tell you guys, going back to this, um, the ritual zero proof that yeah. we were talking about at the beginning. So I mixed a little bit of this with my orange juice that I was drinking. Be transparent. Where's the orange juice from? Mickey D's, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you too can create a mocktail with what's available. Um, no, it's actually... It's really good now. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, it, think, I tasted it. It has. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if uh, it, it's very fall y. Yeah. You know. I could see. What's the uh, wine? The German wine. The red wine. Spiced wine. Uh, um. Uh. Oh boy. Um. Glutwein. Blue. It. Blutwein. Glut. Glutwein. Glutwein. Which is window in German. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hot take. You got to listen to our episodes to get that one. Listen to our episode with uh, Greg Swartz and Udo Sontag. Um, that uh, that's what that reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very seasonal. Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm opening up my mind to mm-hmm. ritual. I might have been wrong at first with this. You gonna one. put your hand in the sack? Yep. Move it around German, a little bit. German for window. I'm gonna be laughing about that for the rest of this episode. And she got a red one. Uh oh. Yes. It. Oh, okay. To be fair. Uh, this might have been when I was running out of a little bit of paper of different colors. So this one, I wouldn't classify as a true red card. It's the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Okay. All right. So I so here's here's what I know about the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Um, a handful of very noteworthy distilleries that are actually on, you know, this this physical, it's like a, I don't want to say a tourist experience, but it, it kind of is. It was a brainchild of celebrating the culture and legacy of Kentucky bourbon and taking people through some of the most notorious um, distilleries in the area that really support that. So I haven't myself been to the Kentucky bourbon trail. I know we've talked about it a lot about making a full trip out there, but this is, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Specifically. (laughs) I'm coming. We weren't going to home alone you and leave you behind there. Speaking of, um, Bourbon Trail. One mm-hmm. of our sponsors is on the Whoa, Bourbon Trail. Look at that segue. What? Let's hear from them. Hey, Chasers. Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information, not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. I get one per episode. <laughs> is, it, is it my turn now to grab from the bag? <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> Man, aren't you guys glad we came up with this I'm game? I'm looking in the bag. Oh, I no. And I still and grabbed you a still one. grabbed a... Glutton for punishment. Oh, the thief. This, uh, it says, <laughs> sorry, I, I, thought, a, I thought about a story. About I'm going to tell the story because how can I not? So, um, a, the thief is the device and or tool, sometimes copper, uh, glass. I've seen them glass. I and, have too. Yeah. Um, that they use to remove the whiskey from the barrel. Um, it, 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 think of the best way to describe it is think of a straw. You know how you put your straw on a drink and you put your thumb on top of the straw and you can pull out the straw and there's liquid in the 
in the uh, straw. Yeah. That's what a thief uh, does. And really we, good, really good way to yeah, describe what it. it's do. What it's for is to, it's just to take a sample out and to test it. You you may have seen scientists do it. I've seen them do it on like you know sciencey shows where they'll take a thing and they'll <laughs> put it in. And, I was thinking of the Muppets with Beaker and yeah. yeah. When they take a sample that out, science. like a like Jurassic Park, they'll take like a yeah. sample and they'll like drop it in whatever. That's what it is. So Aaron and I. All of us, actually, because of what we do, we have the opportunity to visit distilleries and meet people in the in the business and everything, which is awesome. And be, and because we've become friends with some of these people, they let us, you know, mingle a little deeper into the <laughs> distillery than we probably should. Um, so we were definitely with our, yes. than we probably than, than we definitely should. So we were with our friends um, at Old Line uh, Distillery in Baltimore. Mark and Arch, Mark hi and Arch. buddies, great people. Great to my old line um, single malt American single malts. If you haven't, oh my god, try they're amazing. Anyway, so they let us kind of skip through and um, play around. And Arch was pulling some samples from barrels, and he had they had a glass thief that he was using, and he had set it on the table. And Aaron did a some type of pillowette kind of thing and spun around in a circle. And it sounds very graceful. It- and I'm standing looking up at Arch because Arch is like sweating on this ladder. Yeah, Arch is like up on a stack of barrels. And he's like sweating, Bobby, wor- working. He's like, Bobby, hand me the thief. And then I hear smash. Oh, no. And then I look back and Aaron's standing there as if he didn't do it. <laughs> and he's like, what happened? What are you guys looking for? This pile of glass? Is that what you need? Oh, it was like that when I walked in. <laughs> it what was, do you filter with this? What is this? I don't know what this is. I was so embarrassed. I was trying. Oh, I was no. trying. And I'm not, I'm not even going to make any... any um, any excuses except for this one i was trying to get out of the way but i i didn't see it i didn't know where it was i just saw bobby kind of look in my direction and like i put my hands up in the air and like moved to the side real quick like oh the thing he's looking for must be over here ping and it like that was it we did hammer them about having a glass thief Although, because a lot of times they use i think they got a copper one they have a really really nice copper um now yeah. Now they have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, so you did them a favor. Good job, guys. Yeah, but um, I he's, so they're so awesome. Um, they're so awesome that he kept pulling. He started siphoning with a hose. Wait, like like you would pull gasoline out of a car. He's like, no, you guys are still going to have a good time after you broke and he my was stuff. Hammered because he's not a good siphoner. Gangster so, shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was actually a crazy straw. Like yeah. it, it, the the top of it was he just carried the, it was like a Mickey Mouse shaped head on the top. It he was put weird. a little handle on the side of the barrel and he's just carrying it around. <laughs> like a, all right, what's next? I don't know. That's what a thief is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Arch. I'm sorry, Mark. We know what you'll be getting for Christmas from every year until forever. We do. We absolutely do. Let's make a cask chasers thief. All right, I got it. He said, well, he said, hey, man, we'll get you another thief. He's like, maybe you guys should just stay away from thieves. (laughs) (laughs) Can't blame him. All right. So I got an orange one. And um, it is yeast. So yeast Mm. is... Let's call into Patrick Heist. That's right. right. (laughs) Phone a friend. (laughs) Let us know about monosaccharides and polysaccharides. Saccharomyces. Saccharomyces. (laughs) God. Let's just, let's take a pause right now and listen to that whole episode. Yeah. Go back to listen to that one. No. no. (laughs) We just insert that whole episode into this. This episode's an hour and a half long. Um, So yeast. Yeast is, um, you know, what is used in really the, when you're making the beer. For the whiskey, right, Bobby? Mm-hmm. And Bobby's actually made beer, and I am not. Yeast is a... Are a, you punting on the term definition right now? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeast well, is a organism. 
living. All, yeah, I living mean, it's a living organism. Well, if it's an organism, it's alive. No. Unless it's been killed. Um, it, okay, if an organism is dead, is it still an organism? Yeah, it's a dead organism. Yeah, so just... then it's not alive, necessarily. Well, no, you need the yeast you, to it, be alive to let eat Let me rephrase. Is, is dead yeast the thing? There is dead yeast. It happens. But it, and it's still an organism. Right. All right. Dead organism. I'm done with my semantics thing. So when you make beer, which beer, like we said before, becomes whiskey, or when you make beer, or when you make anything alcoholic, to be honest with you, wine included, you need yeast and bacteria. And the bacteria does its own thing, which we won't talk about now. But the yeast specifically consumes the sugars and releases excrements. Uh, Delicious alcohol. excrements. That is alcohol. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it converts the sugars into to, alcohol. To alcohol. So there is no yeast in the finished product. No, because that it's taken out. Unless with it's the, beer with the distillation. And right. If you taste like bready beer, mm-hmm. real bready. That's that yeast, um, sourdoughs are heavy in yeast, things like that kind of taste. Um, That's why if you ever opened a fresh bag of bread, cheap bread, and there's almost a beer smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's yeast. Bakers are actually very good distillers because they have to understand that concept. Um, So you'll see some places use bakers or hire bakers to be some portion of the distillery. Widow Jane, right? Has, they they has have a, a good handful of them. Yeah, they have a, I think they have a baker. What is a, a large number of bakers called? Like, if you've got a group of crows, <laughs> many, it's a murder of crows. Hold on. A dozen. How, what do you care? Oh. I was just going to say, how many, what if you have 13 bakers? How many? What is that? <laughs> oh, it is 13, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Pull from the sack. Is it my turn? No, it's no, your it's turn. it's my turn. It's my turn. All right, let me mix these puppies up. <laughs> that was a fart laugh. I don't know what that was. Yeah. Yeast farts make alcohol is what I just learned. That, so. that, that's, Apropos. <laughs> that's right. All right, I got malt. All right. So, I know, so I'm thinking about scotch specifically, just because with scotch, that's where we typically are using malted barley. Yes. As a main component of that type of whiskey. Um, I'm really, I'm really torn. I'd try not to go off into a tangent. I know a lot of people like malted drinks, right? Like it, it does refer to a process that is used to refine what you're drinking, what the liquid is, yada, yada, yada. It's so funny though, because I can't stand malts in general or like anything of the dessert phase because it, it leaves kind of a funky taste to me. But when you're talking about malted barley and taking that approach with the scotch, you know, I think that's where you get some of the roundness of it. Mm-hmm. So that's I what I know about malt. A, that's a terminology thing you got to be careful with because okay. single malt means scotch single malt mm-hmm. means one distillery single. Um, but then malt in that specific case means barley. But the process of malting is to cr- make the seed, the grain seed, begin to produce sugar. And they, oh. yeah, and then they want to cease that process because once it starts producing, once it starts becoming a plant, Mm-hmm. Like the green starts to pop out and stuff. That's why it's creating sugar. It's creating sugar kind of feed that process. So Which you, the yeast then turns into. Right. But you want to alcohol. stop. You want to stop that. Um, you want to begin the malt and then stop it from becoming a plant. Gotcha. And freeze it in between. Right there at that sugary stage. And that's malting. Because you can malt rye. You can malt most anything to get the sugars out. There are unmalted because unmalted grains, although don't produce sugar and really don't do anything for alcohol creation, do add some flavor. But a lot of malting is what you want. But specifically, so if I, don't, I just want people that are new to see a bottle of scotch and say single malt and then them to go, well, what grain is used? That means barley only. Yes. Even yeah. though you can malt all grains. So you can malt all grains. 
but scotch is single malt barley. That's For the example, grain. Yeah, yeah. It, but you can apply the barley. malting process to any of those grains. Yeah, because people malt rye and, you know. Yeah, and, and, I, and I believe anything that you see that says malt on it as far as a scotch whiskey, if you see a blended malt, it is blended single malts and it is only malted barley. Yeah. Um, if you see something that says blended scotch whiskey, it has other grains in it as well, which and is something I learned yeah. from uh, Russ Kempton. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And then one of the cool things that this is making me think of next, I know when when we talk about, and I'm not going to spoil them because they're in they're in the sack of terms, when we're talking about the different grains, everyone kind of brings their own flavor profile to the table too. So that's cool to have a deeper understanding of the malting process then right. to bring out the flavors and the sugars specific to that type of grain. And there's a romantic part of that too because some places may just factory get malted grain shipped in or whatever. Mm. But then a few, very few places, Highland Park is one of them, I believe they still do, have a malting floor, which is where they physically have a floor where they, you know, they're malting and then drying out the... If there's a handful of... Yeah. There, there are a handful of places that do it. Uh, Brook Laddie does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I I think you're right. That which Highland is where, Park does if it. you've ever seen Monkey Shoulder mm. whiskey, the term Monkey Shoulder comes from the people that are working the malting floor, because scraping, yeah, raking that malt oh. on the floor causes their shoulder to little, sag, and yeah. that's called Monkey Shoulder. Right, right. Yeah. Segway to a whole different. My turn. Go do, for it. Do one more, one more round all around. I like it. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Bobby got a red stupid one. red. Oh, blended malt. You kind of already answered that. Well, geez. Uh, to, those words that I just said. You want to do another one? Mix it up a little bit? Uh, I well, think, it, I think because yeah, there's a... It's, there's, a, it's a good thing to reiterate yeah, and yeah. dive into a little bit. So okay. what I'll say to this is, typically when you see the term blended malt on the bottle, that means blended from multiple distilleries. Yes. So for example, as I just said, Monkey Shoulder is three distilleries blended together. Uh, your Johnny Walker, your I think your Black, you know, for example, is a blended whiskey. Um, now that's not a blended single malt because there's other grain whiskeys in there too, but that's multiple distilleries. I think like almost forty add to that oh, really? um, mix that blend. Um, now, unless a whiskey says single barrel on it, they're all blended but in-house from the same place. Right. So let's say Buffalo Trace or let's say, I don't know, um, anybody, Any, anybody. anybody, Woodford Woodford Reserve, if it's on a single barrel, they're taking a bunch of barrels and they're vatting them. They're blending them in a big, you know, uh, big, big tub and they're literally trying to look for a flavor profile. Now, if I am collecting whiskey from different places, you know, this distillery and I'm going to take a little sample from that distillery and I blend all that, that will say blended whiskey on the bottle. Yeah. And that's what that means. That's yeah. what that term. All right. So my term is on an orange card, and it is angel share. This is an easy one. Um, angel share refers to um, the portion of the whiskey that is I that during the aging process is either evaporates or is absorbed into the barrel itself. Anything that does not come out of the barrel when you borrow it. When, when you bottle it. Is it just the evaporation? So anything that stays in the wood is the devil's cut. Because, oh, you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. angel share is the evaporant because, you know, oak la, is la, very, la, la, la. it's very porous. Um, you lose almost two to three, sometimes more percent of the whiskey. And depending on how hot and everything, you lose more. Ethanol evaporates faster than water. So and both of them will evaporate because there is small amounts of water, right? 
but it's the what comes out of the barrel itself. And then what's neat, though, is the devil's cut, what soaks into the barrel. Some places will actually squeeze those barrels or, or blend them up, like literally run the barrel through a machine and squeeze every drop of whiskey out of the staves themselves. And or you, they'll do it with cocktails. I feel like somebody did a devil or a devil's cut. Jim, Jim Beam. That, but a lot of places will choke the barrel. We'll try to take as much as they can out, but then they'll put it on. But that's what you typically hear is the devil's cut, which soaks. Yeah, into. you're right. You're right. So the angel share, and that makes sense. The angel share goes into the air. It disappears and, forever. And then the devil's cut is buried in the, in the earth of the wood. Is anybody else having a flashback to ghost where the good, the that's good the worst people scene. fly up and then, <sighs> yeah. And then the, the not bad so- people go into the wood of the barrel yeah, yeah i remember that scene and they're yeah squeezed, exactly. and they're, they get squeezed out and into a bottle that scene horrified me where yeah. the demons come out and yeah out of the shadows yeah. nightmare stuff devil's cut's better though that's nice yeah. <laughs> satan's <cut>. so angel share <laughs> for sinners that was that, that was a twofer that was angel share and devil that's devil's good. cut i planned to say that the devil uh, i'll edit it and make it where you yeah. were right do you trust that to I, happen no <laughs> no no i was white right twice all right, I got a yellow one, and it says wheat. Wheat. Will Wheaton. <laughs> Will Wheaton. Oh my gosh, cool whip. Uh, so wheat. So this is one of the grains we've kind of been dancing around. That's commonly used in whiskey making. So what I've learned from this conversation is wheat is one of the grains that could be malted through that process that sure. we discussed. Um, the thing that sticks out about wheat, and and this is where I probably will need your guys' help because this is. This is me continuing to learn on a more detailed level about whiskey making. I think when we've talked about wheat before, we've said that's where we get some of the more like softer vanilla flavors. Creamy. Creaminess. Yeah. Yeah. Wheat, wheat lends a lot of flavor, but it's, you know, where you get your rye, it's spicy, right. corn, sweet, sugary. Mm-hmm. Wheat is creamy, silky. That's what I think when I think of wheat. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. Is some, I agree with there that. Are yeah. Some nuts, there are some chocolate notes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. right, weeded whiskeys are weeders, uh, are some of my favorite. Now, weeded whiskey is different than uh, you can have a bourbon that's high, high wheat or has wheat in it. Mm-hmm. All a bourbon has to be is fifty one percent corn, and then they may add so a lot of buffalo and a bunch of other rules. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) When it comes to grains, yeah, hard new American oak. That's not the yeah, but so like Buffalo Trace, for example, a lot of their product is high weeded whiskey. They use a wheat. They use wheat as a large percentage Mm -hmm. of what they put in their mash bill. Um, So I like weeded whiskeys. I like that rounded flavor. So in in most since we're talking about bourbons and this is where I think it applies most, uh, you're not really going to see it in scotch. Um, wheat is usually in most bourbons. Wheat is sometimes used. It's not even always used, but it is sometimes used and it's at usually a tertiary. Yeah. Ingredient. Like, like to balance it out. Right? But if somebody has a, a weeder or a weeded bourbon, it is, then it has to be the secondary. So you've got your 51 or more percent mm-hmm. corn. Your next largest percentage will be wheat in a weeded bourbon. Think about bread. That's the good thing about it. That it is the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, wheat bread, rye bread, yeah. corn bread. 
they really have the same elements and they mm-hmm. really create the same kind of flavors. Mm. Rye bread does have that kind of spicy, nutty kind of thing going on. Wheat bread, if you think of wheat bread, it's it's a little grainy, cereally, mm-hmm. that kind of sweet where cornbread and is just bread is such sugar. a like it's dessert. such a good thing to use when yeah. you're talking about whiskey I want sour as well. Whiskey. So and uh, oh. all right, it's it's funny that you said that because you can have a sour mash. And a sour yeah. mash is going to have more of those sourdoughy flavors well, than no, a sweet. Mash. I guess sour that, beers are on the rise. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's really yeah and, and that's now. the whole that, that those are going to be from a sour mash also. Yeah. So, like, uh, bread is a very good. If if you kind of know how bread works, you can also kind of know how whiskey there, works. There are some notable good weeded whiskeys that I like outside the Buffalo Trace, and mm. this is considering high wheat and weeded whiskeys. Like yeah, a wheat yeah, whiskey. yeah, sure. Uh, Reservoir makes a great wheat whiskey. Hundred um, percent wheat. Yep, yep. Yep. Woodford has a weeded whiskey that mm-hmm. I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, Larceny. 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 Yeah, Larceny's wheat. Um, they're a weeded weeded bourbon. Yeah, Larceny yeah. is a weeded bourbon. And some of these are weeded bourbon. Some of them are actually wheat whiskey, which means they're not bourbons. They're weeded. Um, Anyway, I'm a wheat fan, so if you yeah. uh, if you uh, Big I'm fan a bread fan, mm-hmm. that's what I'm learning from Love this bread. So I picked up a couple basic rules from this exercise today. Mm-hmm. One is that if you don't understand whiskey, you can always default to understanding bread, which I, I kind of like, you know, bridging that gap. And uh, yeast, eat sugar, and fart ethanol. That's that's yeah. Whiskey and a nut. Yeah, in that's a box, it. Whatever. <laughs> whiskey. I, I don't can... know. I can't wait for somebody that doesn't know to go tell their friend. So what is whiskey? So it's farts and bread. <laughs> so it's bread, bread farts. Bread farts. Bread farts and it's the yeast. circle of life of whiskey. Have you ever farted? Have you ever had bread? That's your whiskey. That's whiskey. Right, right. Do you want some of it now after that description? Boy, <laughs> do no, I. I don't drink anymore. So thank you. <laughs> thank God we have ritual zero proof. <laughs> I completely stopped. Right. All right. Well, until the next time we bust out the sack of terms, make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. Check out our new swag shop for official Cast Chasers shirts, hoodies, glasses, and merch every whiskey enthusiast is sure to love. And if you want to relive this episode in all of its glory, visit castchasers.org to look at today's show notes and the rest of our Cast Chasers podcast library. And until the next time you tune in, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. The wood knows how to form the barrel head, knows how to uh, create the quality of good wood, too. Yeah. I like it. Coops. Aaron can do the quality of good wood. Delete that. (laughs)